0: Hey there, I'm Dominic St-Pierre and you're listening to Go! Podcast. So this will be a special episode today because uh, for the first time, I'm, I'm getting a guest today. So Matt Boyle, thank you very much for accepting this invitation.
1: No worries. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm a big fan, so it's great to be here.
0: Nice, nice. So uh, yeah, we will, we will talk about... Uh, well, debugging in general today about uh, and Go and whatnot, but uh, you know, if you want to give a little bit uh, description about yourself, you know, what's your experience with Go, and you know, why have you choose debugging for uh, for your course? That uh, that's interesting to me.
1: Cool, yeah. Um, so again, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Matt Boyle. By day, I am an engineering manager at Cloudflare. Um, I I uh, run two teams that mainly focus on developer tooling and developer productivity, uh, and we use Go for pretty much everything we do, and I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Um, by I'd say by night, but it's, it's really by morning. I think we were both just talking about how we're, we're early birds, uh, but by morning I tend to do quite a lot of extra bits and pieces in the Go community. So I, uh, I wrote a book last year, which Domain Driven Design with Go, uh, which uh, was actually a bestseller on Amazon, which is something I'm really proud of. I run a Go community on Twitter, which is the biggest Go community um, on Twitter, which is, I think we've got about 4,100 members now, which, uh, again, is really cool. It's super friendly, so check that out. And I'm currently working on a course on debugging. Um, the reason I picked debugging as a course is because I feel like it's never taught. At least I was never taught explicitly. Yet. I learned a lot about debugging Um to be honest, you, I would say in the trenches, <laughs> when things went wrong and I had to figure out why they went wrong, I would um, either partner with someone who was more experienced than me or I'd figure things out as I, as I went through tutorials or videos and I think a lot of people could benefit from explicitly being shown how to use even just the basics of some of the tools such as like the debugger or uh, strategies for logging or how to use Prometheus uh, to, to capture some metrics about your application. So I figured it was a really good place to um, to start with the course, hopefully it can have some value. I don't see a whole bunch of discussion or courses around it, and I managed to stir up a bit of a storm on Go Twitter when I asked folks if they use the debugger because uh, everyone I work with uses it, but it turns out that it's not as <laughs> uh, as widely used as I thought it was, and which was an interesting lesson uh, for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember that that tweet. Uh, this this is what uh, you know. Drive me to to ask you uh, to join this because yes, I I think like you said, it's not uh, it's not really talked much. Um yeah before before we uh, we go and uh, unwrap a lot of uh, of this uh I'm curious uh, and con- you know congrats for for the book by the way it's uh wow it's a, it's a super achievement and uh first of all uh, did did you did you find it uh hard to uh, to write a book actually what what was your experience I'm just curious here
1: Yeah I think writing a book is is certainly challenging um I think the hardest bit is that it's it's a marathon not a sprint like when you commit to writing a book, especially something so long form, is you've got to kind of commit your free time for a year. It basically took me a year from idea to having it published. Yeah. And that meant sort of dedicating weekends and evenings and mornings to writing it. And then, you know, you send it off and you get some feedback and you have to make changes. And so it's, it's just a really tough process. So I think the the hardest bit is just kind of having that continuity of focus on a single thing. And I think that was it was a good it was a good um, experience for me from that perspective because the the achievement of getting it published felt huge just because I knew that I'd worked on it for for so long Um, and I think that's a sticking with one thing for a long time isn't something I've traditionally been very good at so uh, that was that was pretty good and I think that was the hardest bit more than anything
0: right yeah yeah nice. So so yes yeah, so we will have some links uh, on the show note obviously and then your uh, your current course is uh, is is pre launching so I mean if people are interested uh, they they will be able to follow some links there so that's nice um, so yeah re- returning to that tweet uh, I, I was I was a little bit surprised as well to see uh, to see the, the result and to be frank I haven't seen the you know the, the last result I only saw when, when I when I voted myself. Uh when I voted myself, I think it was something like uh you know, around seventy percent that uh, people were using debugger and some you know, somewhere like thirty percent that were that weren't. So can you can you talk a little bit about the, the, the last result that
1: that you got? Yeah, so I think by the time the poll closed, around eight to nine hundred people have voted. And it actually skewed a little bit downwards to what you saw. So I think around I'm gonna get the maths wrong here, but Something like sixty percent said they used it regularly. Um, something around twenty percent said they didn't use it, um, and then around twenty percent said that they don't know how to use it. Um, which I think was an interesting distinction. So, you know, I've got a, you know, I've got a lot of respect for folks who don't use it if they've got experience and they've got a workflow that works for them. Um, you know, it's it's a tool. If you don't want to use it, that's completely reasonable. Maybe maybe uh, you've got another workflow that works great. But I think the people that I'm super interested in is that 20% that don't know how. Even if, even if I taught those 20% or those 20% learned how to use a debugger and then they ended up going into the no pile, I think that's great. But I, I think it's really important that everybody has enough uh, experience and um, awareness of it that they can, you know, they can make that choice themselves. Yeah.
0: You, you know, it, it's very interesting because, well, I, I'm, I'm coming from a .NET world in my early careers, let's say the first 10 years of my career. And you know, in in the .NET world and, and Java, you know, the debugger is part of your of your day to day. It's it's something that it's just there. It's it's in the tooling, and this is this is the de facto way of, I would say, even write uh, your your software and your systems. When I switched, well, when I switch, I keep I keep saying I, I don't I don't like people when they are saying that word, but when I when I started to uh, to program in Go. Uh, I will admit that I've kind of missed the uh, the you know the Visual Studio Debugger and whatnot. You know, call it what you what, what you want. I kind of missed that, but it soon it soon, uh, it soon uh, becomes something that uh, I you know I was fine uh, not having because to be frank in in 2014 uh, maybe the tooling was not there uh, as it is today. And and to be completely frank, I'm. I'm probably part of those uh, of those twenty uh, percent ish, whatever, that don't really know how to do that because I I haven't I haven't used uh, you know delve or anything like that in, with Go to be frank, and uh, I use pprof. I don't even know if it count in in the topic of debugging, but uh, but yes. So what what would you what would you tell to someone? today that would would want to start experiencing you know what it is to 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 debug or at least
1: to start debug in Go. What what should they do? Yeah. And for what it's worth, I think Pprof definitely counts as debugging. I, I do have a module on my course around using Pprof because I think you know performance issues are, are still things that need to be debugged to figure out what's going on. I actually have a very similar journey to yourself, I think. So yeah, I started out writing Java. I did a computer science degree. We learned it all in Java. And at no point during my degree did anybody show me how to use the debugger. Um, it just wasn't wasn't covered as a topic. So I kind of entered the workforce not really knowing how to use the debugger either. And also kind of fearing it, I think. It seemed complicated, right? And I think, I think it certainly was in some languages, because one of my first jobs was uh, using PHP and Laravel. And to this day, I, I've still never successfully set up Um, x-debug properly with PHP. I I got it working a a few times, but I never managed to get it working like all the time. So I definitely fell backwards to the, I'm going to log stuff to figure out the state of the world because it was the only way I knew how. And I still do this often in JavaScript too, Um, especially working on front-end stuff. Again, I've got a debugger set up at times, but it's got this sort of overhead to getting it set up. And usually by the time I've got it set up, I've got to just put some log lines in and figured out what I wanted to do or wrote some unit tests that helped me figure out what I was trying to do too. So I think I definitely understand people's point of views and I definitely understand people's hesitation to get get going with it. I think one of the really nice things about Go specifically is that the debugger has very low barrier to entry. Um, and I think if someone sits and shows you how to do it, which as I say, I will in my course for five, 10 minutes, I think you'll realize like how fast it can be to get stuck into code and to, to use that as a viable way of debugging rather than adding log lines and then having to rerun the tests. Uh, so you run the, the program or the test, uh, depending on how you're doing it. I think the debugger really comes into its own when you're trying to, one, debugger a test. Lots of people say, you know, use the, uh, instead of using a debugger, write a test, but test the code too. And you can still have flaws in your logic in your tests. And using the debugger there can be a really powerful way to figure out where you might have gone wrong. And the other thing is, if you're working in, you know, a bigger company and you have to take ownership of code that you've never uh, seen before, being able to step through all the workflows very, very slowly and just kind of figure out what's happening and when um, and basically just pausing the program is so, so powerful. So I think the, I guess to summarize, you know, the barrier to entry for the debugger is very low with Go and I think if you haven't sort of given it a, given it a try recently, it's definitely worth, um, you know, just spending 15, 20 minutes just seeing how quickly it is to do and um, and then I think you you may be a convert, you may be a convert, maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's good. I mean, but, well, you you said
0: it. Uh, you said it straight to the point. So, so, to me, the path I I chose when when I started writing Go was mainly to uh, to make sure that I, I would have some some tests to to back me. And and maybe you know may, maybe that's true. What what you're say, uh, saying? Maybe when you are, when you are inheriting a huge code base, it might be. Uh, it might it might be a good a good tool to have but uh, yeah let, let, let me do the uh, the devil advocate in here and say that and well yes I I, I think I think the the test suite should uh, should should probably be the first step to uh, to understand a code base in my opinion so when you are inheriting something that you don't really know and let's say that there's a couple of very very complicated thing uh could be could be a package could be multiple functions whatever should should the tests not be the the right place to to understand the tests and, and maybe hopefully some documentation
1: yeah totally um and i think it's a super reasonable comment and i think they should be seen as partners and not opposites i think um the way the way i would counter that is i'm sure all of us have worked on large code bases that don't have the test coverage that we'd expect. And so adding it will be something that should be a great first task for you, perhaps, but it also doesn't necessarily mean that you can do that without understanding it, which is usually where the debugger will come into play. Um, secondly, as I mentioned, sometimes test logic can be flawed too. Um, I've certainly raised seen issues where um, customers have raised issues and they've said, oh, this isn't working as I'd expect and it doesn't work as per the documentation. And when you actually look at the test, the test is wrong the test has assumed the wrong thing. So, you know, tests are fallible too. Um, they can fail if humans have misunderstood what the requirements were and requirements change and the tests might fail. And you may want to dig in a little bit to figure out why that is. The debugger is super helpful there too. Yeah. Um,
0: oh yeah, go ahead. As I
1: was going to say, the final thing is test philosophy, right? Like lots of people have very different views on testing. Some people write lots of unit tests and very few end-to-end tests. Um, some people write lots of end-to-end tests and very few unit tests. And depending on how you decide to, to scope those, maybe you do it like from a business perspective, like this is what the customer should see versus like very technical deep dives into how the software should operate it might determine how easy it is for you to figure out whether the test, uh, cover, whether the test um, uh, can teach you what you need to know about the system to be productive on it. Because for example, say the test is uh, as a user, given I use an Amex, I should get charged a 3% fee. Like That's a really good test, in my opinion. It it explains user outcomes and behavior. But what it doesn't necessarily tell you, um, without maybe digging into how the test is written or maybe even jumping into the code a little bit, like, how is that calculated? Like, is that got third-party integration in it? Who's that with? Um, How long does it take for that HTTP call to come back to me? Um, What does a response body look like? Those things might not necessarily be explicitly covered in the test, but as someone who's going to be taking ownership of the system, like, that's very interesting to me. So being able to debug through the code in that test will help me learn an awful lot.
0: Yeah, that's interesting
1: very very interesting so would you say that you are
0: using the the debugger you know mostly on your local development or or it's also it's also a tool that that you uh, you do appreciate uh, on production system for example
1: yeah I tend to only use it locally to be honest um there is there is a way to run uh, the delve debugger in production and there's also ways to get like a, a dump of um, of a request so you can actually debug after the fact as well i'll be honest i i don't do that too much i tend to use debugging locally more than anything and i tend to lean more on other methods for debugging when i start to reach customers in production so typically you know hopefully by the time i get to production i've got great test coverage which covers a lot of what i care about but then once i get to production i've got business metrics um so i'm using things like prometheus um and i'm using things like um you know logs and things like that to be and and tracing um, to be able to figure out like where the problem and bottlenecks might be in production in production because we can do it on a much larger set of data and we can aggregate that. So I, I tend to use those when I get close to production. And then you know something you mentioned previously is is pprof. That's really useful in production as well. So uh, most of the services at Cloudflare that our team runs, we have this debug endpoint, and if you hit it, it'll take a dump of the profile information at the time and then we can use that to do some local analysis to figure out where bottlenecks might be so um i tend to use debugging locally to figure out defects in thinking or system behavior and then when we get to production hopefully the things we're mostly focused on is uh, performance and um latency perhaps and then i can use those other tools to figure that out
0: yeah interesting um so are you are you mostly inter- interested in memory consumption or or it's more like uh, cpu bound things at, at cloudflare
1: yeah in our team we've had issues with both to be honest um we tend to have less issues with cpu bound uh mostly just to be honest because we probably over provision them um, we haven't had too too much pressure to um, sort of optimize the cpu at this point so we tend to just over provision and we're pretty good Memory is something that's a little bit more... I wouldn't say it's more problematic, but we have some like workloads that are a little bit more bursty. So you, you might think you've got your numbers right for uh, memory in, in in Kubernetes, and then all of a sudden you your pod crashes or uh, you're seeing it being bit throttled. Yeah, so, so occasionally you'll see like you're, you're being throttled because you're using too much of it. So that's, that tends to be more of a problem, and sometimes it's not always entirely obvious to so us from the outset where that memory is being used, and that's when we'll probably... Firstly, probably look at uh, uh, metrics to see, you know, if there's if there's anything interesting there because we obviously have, uh, if you use Prometheus native library, it gives you CPU and memory usage out of the box, which is very, very helpful. And if we still can't figure it out, then we'll probably pull a profile and take a look and see where we're spending the time and where that, that memory is being used, um, which, is, which has been really helpful for us to figure out some, some pretty nasty issues we've had in either our code or potentially in libraries as well that were maybe not uh, releasing memory as much as we'd hoped.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's what I I've, I've been using a paper of myself. So 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 yeah. So let's return to you know in the shoes of a Go programmer. Let's say let's say that you you start on a new assignment. You inherit this this new code base uh, next Monday. And so what what is your what is your process actually? So do you do you you know run it with with the debugger? And what do you do with this debugger? Is it is it mostly like Breakpoints? Is it mostly like to investigate uh, local variables, you know, some values, just to have a an understanding of what is the flow of a typical, you know, process is doing? So, what how are you using that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I have a, I have a shout out for another little project that I've been doing as well. So next in the next couple of weeks, uh, John Calhoun and I have been uh, doing some. Uh, code reviews that we're going to publish for free somewhere on the internet. We haven't figured out where to publish them yet. But effectively, we've asked uh, people to send in code and then John and I are just pairing live to kind of look through it, give some feedback and talk about how we approach the project. So that might be helpful for some of this. Uh, we don't use the debugger in it. We actually just walk through it and talk about how we approach a project we've never seen. So that'll be somewhat helpful. But to kind of answer the question directly, especially if this was at work in a bigger project, I would do exactly as you described. Like assuming it's a... Um, a web project. The very first thing I'd do is I would just pull it and I would look at the README if it has one. Sometimes they don't, and uh, understand exactly what it's being used uh, like for and how I should be able to run it. And if there's any dependencies I need to bring up. Um, so typically I'll take a quick look see if it's got a Docker compose file because that's very helpful. Um, after that, I'll probably jump into main.go and see how it's bootstrapped. The really nice thing about Go is that you know all programs originate in main.go. So it's a really great place to start if you're trying to figure out like, well, when I press run, what's actually gonna happen? You can you can follow it from there. And if it if it all looks good and it seems reasonable to me, I probably won't set a breakpoint in main.go and I'll probably head to the to the router, um, or the serve and maybe set some breakpoints on some of the endpoints. And then I'll try and construct um some requests to those endpoints to uh step through and, and figure out when I hit the endpoint, it'll pause there and I can just step through it one by one and figure out what actually happens on all those endpoints. Once I roughly understand how it's working, how it's running, and how to start it, that's actually the first time I would personally jump into the tests, which may be uh, a little bit against the grain of what some other people recommend. The reason I like to do it like that is at least the way I write tests or the way I sort of retest is I'm trying to understand like, uh, business behavior right and, and what happens uh, like from an outcome perspective for customers. So I tend to just like to have a very... Um, small overview of of how the system's constructed and started before i start looking at the business outcomes and then i can usually click together in my head exactly how those two things fit together after i've done those two things.
0: Hmm.
1: great great so
0: what what is the what is the output look like because yeah like i was saying i personally never used it so i don't even know what it looks like is it is it a gui based thing is it is it something you know, where are you seeing those those value is it? Is it like on the terminal? Is it like GDP, like where you you do you do enter some commands and you manually walk walked into the code, or you know how how is it working?
1: Yeah, I, I have massive respect for engineers who use like Vim and and some other tools out there. I am not one of those engineers. I am very IDE dependent. Um, and to be honest, I think IntelliJ should probably be giving me a commission at this point for how many people I've tried to sell on GoLand <laughs> because I just. I just think it's great. I mean, it's a paid-for tool. I think it costs like $150 a year, um, but the productivity I personally get out of it once kind of I figured out how to use it has been immense. I know there's a lot of people who love VS Code as well, and I think you can achieve the same things, but every time I've tried VS Code, there's just been a couple of things that didn't quite work, for me at least, as well as Golands, so I tend to go there. So my first bit of advice is if you're a beginner and just starting out, like, there's a free trial of Golands. Like, give it a go for a couple of weeks and see if it's for you, and then you can try and convince your boss to to buy you it, or you can uh, you can fall back to VS Code. But the, the really nice thing about GoLand is it all just works out of the box. So typically when I uh, start a debugger, all I'm doing is I'm clicking in the gutter of the program, which will set a little red dot. I'll click the bug icon, icon in the top right, and that's it. That's all the configuration I need to do to set up the debugger in GoLand. Uh, what will happen then is I'll make a HTTP request using Postman, and um, the, that will issue the request and it will hit the debug breakpoint, at which point Goland will come back to the foreground. In um, the bottom of Goland, it will then show you a bunch of uh, useful commands and information. So there's like a, a little kind of terminal GUI type style thing that includes the current values of things that might be interesting to you. So it'll contain the request and the response. And maybe if there's some headers that you've uh, assigned to variables, you'll see them there. So you can inspect the values of them at points in time. Mm-hmm. You can then uh, step over or step into functions, or press play, and it'll just continue the whole function through to the end or to the next breakpoint. So typically, what I'll do is pause there and just keep pressing the step over and watch as the values change and the the, um, the uh, things I'm interested in see what happens to them. And you can also uh, that thing that I right clicked in the gutter. You can also uh, right click that again and put set condition, and you can set conditional breakpoints too. So maybe we're seeing a very specific issue that a customer raises and it's like, well, if someone's name, uh, if someone's email address has the this special character in it, um, it's causing us an issue. So what you can do is you can set a conditional breakpoint and leave the program running and you can, you know, try a few requests without that special character and you can see them go through completely without pausing the program. And then as soon as it evaluates the value to have the thing that you set a conditional breakpoint to, you can it'll then hit the debug breakpoint and you can step through from there too. So there's some really nice things that you can achieve, um, and it's all GUI based, especially in GoLand. You can set it up to VS Code to be the same. You just have to download a couple of things, and uh, being able to inspect the values like that and just see what's happening um, at a point in time is is so incredibly helpful. I think.
0: Yeah, I <clears throat> I, I think I can hear the thirty thirty percent people that are not using. <laughs> uh debugger for for this email example and 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 scream something like well this this should probably be a test though i mean since since there is a there's a problem with the system with a certain situation or scenario
1: this 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 should probably be a test no so i think the, the there's two answers to this right there is a hundred percent the p r s point of view like there should be a test and I would agree with that that there should be a test for this too But depending on the the type of code you're inheriting, whether it's got some technical debt or maybe the strategy for testing is a little bit different in this application, or maybe you just don't have enough experience to add the end-to-end test right now. Um, Maybe you need to wait for someone to become free who can show you how to do it. Like the debugger is a way you can unblock yourself, right? And you can step through the system, understand it. And then you can maybe go to someone afterwards with a little bit more experience and they can help you add the test to cover that specific scenario. You know, not every piece of Go code I've ever worked with has been particularly granular and well-structured. And you know, I can hear people shouting at me, well, you should, you should fix it, that's tech debt. And it's like, that's 100% true. But businesses choose to you know, take on tech debt all the time and to continue to work with it. And so in, in, in an ideal world, yeah, we should have tests for everything. We should cover everything with tests um, and we should be able to add tests very, very quickly to yield the outcomes we want. But in a world that's a bit more pragmatic, being able to unblock yourself and use a tool that's available to you to be able to figure something out like very, very quickly and to help you understand a system, maybe you haven't worked too closely on before, is really really powerful, and uh, I don't think it should be discounted as an approach just because it doesn't match the purest view of what maybe what we should be should be doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's. Uh, so what about you know you're debugging a, an endpoint like you said, and you uh, you have you have a breakpoint in there. What what happens if that that particular function is calling uh, a go routine, for example, you know, uh, is, is it capable of handling multi, uh, you know, multi-concurrent code? And, and let's, say, let's say you have a, also a breakpoint on the function that is running concurrently. So what happened in that case?
1: Yeah, I added a module to my course specifically on debugging concurrent code because it's hard. Um, and there's some really nice things you can do to make it a tiny bit easier. But th- yes, the debugger is capable of um, debugging concurrent code. One thing that's very difficult is figuring out which Go routine is the one you want to look at and which is the one you care about. Um, because Go just kind of assigns, they're not random. It makes sense to the Go uh, the Go runtime, which want what they're called. But to a human, it's maybe not as obvious. So one thing you can do is you can annotate Go routines um, so you can put a little bit of logic around it. And I think it's actually from the pprof package, if I remember correctly. And you can say things like, call this go routine um, uh, Matt's main go routine, and call this one Matt's uh, routine too. And then when you run the debugger, it has a stack of all the different go routines. And because you've labeled it, you can quickly identify the one you care about. And then all the things I've talked about previously, about sort of um, interrogating the values and seeing what they are at a point in time, you can do that with um, with these go routines that you've labeled. So just giving yourself some extra meta information to figure out which one's which is really, really useful. It's very easy to do. Um and it makes debugging concurrent code, I wouldn't say great, but it makes it tolerable. Tolerable is the word I'm gonna use.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, I, I can uh I can see myself uh maybe wanting to try that. I don't know. <laughs> it seems to be a, yeah, I've I've been I've been, you know, I will not lie, I've been using a lot of print debugging. Uh and you know sometimes it's fine sometimes it's uh it's a little bit tedious but uh, yeah I, I i tend to i i i tend to rely on on tests but i i can i can understand your point uh you know to return to my early early careers in dot net i i was mainly using break breakpoints and this you know this this was something i i was thinking about uh while while preparing for for this interview i was i was asking myself you know you know why it's strange that you you can use a debugger for for ten years and and all of a sudden you don't really you don't really miss it and I I started to ask myself you know what what I was using exactly and, and what makes me uh, you know makes me today not not really needed that or need that uh, and like I like I said I I was mainly using breakpoints uh, I I was never really a huge uh, inspect a variable or, or things like that and see uh see value changes and whatnot so I think that with with experience it uh at some point you you kind of do the job of of you know this the, the step in uh, step in step out debugging ma- mainly uh, in your head mostly quickly I think you know and and i you know i, I I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's, it it would not be useful. I'm just saying that um, I'm wondering if at some point in a career uh, you have seen enough code that it might be. It's almost the same. I think in in my mind when I look at some code when I read new code, I kind of I kind of do a little bit like what the debugger is doing. So. I'm not sure there is a question in, in everything that I'm just saying, but you know th- this is ma- mainly why I think I'm I'm not personally missing the debugger. But the the thing that you explained so far, uh, it's it seems to be very similar to to what Visual Studio uh, is doing in, in the .NET world, and you know I, I can really really see the values, but I think I'm not missing it still.
1: Yeah, and that totally makes sense. I think one thing I'll call out is I I definitely debug by logging too. And I also, there's a whole module in my course that I've called debugging by eye, which just kind of talks through exactly what you said. Like once you've seen a lot of code, you do start to spot mistakes faster and easier. And I I think that's totally fine too. One thing that I did notice in that thread and also from subsequent discussions um, is I don't think there's any correlation between... Uh, how much experience you have and whether you're using a debugger. I saw people who I really respect who've got tons of experience saying they don't need it and they don't use it. I saw people who I also really respect and have got way more experience than me saying they did. Um, and the the greatest example I can give, and um, we can link this in the show notes too, is there's an interview that uh, John Carmack did uh, recently. Most people probably know who John Carmack is, but if not, he's uh, he created Doom and uh, cre- I, honestly, he's probably reasonable to call him like the father of modern gaming. Um, he, he made Oculus, like he's an incredibly impressive individual. And many people will say he's like the greatest of all time when it comes to like development. Uh, he uses a debugger and there's a whole interview where he talks about why he uses it and how he finds it very, very useful for understanding code. So if it's good enough for John Carmack, it's uh, it's good enough for me. That's what I say.
0: Yeah, I saw I saw this interview. I think it was with Lex uh, and I for. I'm forgetting it's like Treatment, lazy. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, totally. I mean uh but yes, I mean this is uh, this is very much do you think that the tooling has changed? Um uh, was it was it good like uh six, seven years ago? Uh I I I think you you started Go in, in like uh twenty eighteen or something like that. So w- was it was it good at that point or or it's it's now it's not really, really uh you know, smooth and whatnot
1: Yeah, so I think when I first started out i I do remember that vs code potentially didn't have great support for this, and I, I do wonder if there's any correlation between that and uh, people's views on it because I know that a lot of people use vs code because they they don't want to pay for Goland, which I, I think is super reasonable um, a lot of people can't can't pay for Goland, right so it makes sense to use like the free tooling out there. But you needed a bunch of plugins and stuff set up to get the debugger working, at least at that point in time. And it was, you know, it was a pain to get going. So I do wonder if people thought, well, this is the same as it was in PHP. It's too hard. I just don't want to figure it out. Like, I'll just stick to what I know. I'll stick to logging and other stuff. Uh, I'll write tests and I'll figure it all out that way, which, again, is super reasonable. And if you've got a fast workflow doing that way, more power to you. Um, But it's worked in GoLand very, very well since the beginning, as far as I can remember, like if there really is zero setup. you just click on the gutter and then press, uh, press the bug icon and it works. So I think um, especially people where Go is not their first language, maybe they've had experience with other languages where it's really, really hard to debug. Uh, we had a similar conversation about at Cloudflare recently and some folks were saying there that it was quite hard to get the debugger to work correctly with Rust. Um, and a lot of those folks saying they've had to, you know, discover alternative ways to, to do it because of that. So I just wonder if there's also this uh, stigma that comes with <clears> the debugger that people have brought from other languages, where I, if you take uh, if you if you take Go on its own, it does a lot of things a lot better than those other languages. That's why I love it. Like it's super easy containerized, super easy to debug. It's very very fast. I also wonder if its speed is some of the reason that folks just stick with logging because you really can throw a log in there and hit the play button and it, it will run in a few seconds, right? Whereas some of the other languages you might be working in, it can take a little bit of a while to recompile it or or do whatever you need to do to get that log line to spit out. So um, there's no bad bad options here. Like, it's just great that there's options, there's tools and, you know, folks can try all of them and see what works best for their workflow. But as long as uh, my main thing is, I just want everyone to have the experience to have an opinion. And if your opinion is that it's a waste of time, then more power to you.
0: Yeah totally. I mean uh, this uh, this this sounds this sounds interesting. Uh, I yeah, I I think this uh, this idea is 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 worth uh, digging a little bit. Um Yeah, maybe maybe some uh maybe a, a last question of of mine. Uh so would you have any any tip or trick for distributed system so let's say uh, you know and, and and i'm talking more about tracing this time maybe not so much uh, debugging but you know would, would you would you have any any tips for someone that is working on a distributed system so what what should they what should they do to have a good tracing system for example
1: Um, yeah, I think, I think you've kind of called out my advice would be just, you know, get, get some tracing in place. Like it's very, very valuable to be able to see a request from the point of issue all the way through to, um, you know, whatever subsystem it might be hitting. This can be really, really challenging. If you are using something like a message queue or message broker in the middle, like Kafka, like propagating traces through those things can be particularly challenging, but it's worth the time investment. And once you kind of get that stuff up and running, you can actually start to embed logs in the traces um, and you can see uh, average response time on endpoints. And it's very, very useful for helping you debug uh, distributed systems. The other thing I would say though, is, you know, if you are having to spend a ton of time uh, thinking about like entire request flows through your application, maybe it's time to consider separation of concerns as well and make sure you're kind of thinking about your system, right? Um, so. You know, in Cloudflare, we have, like, domain-based teams. Um, we, have, we certainly have to call other systems to get certain bits of information. Uh, but typically, that we see that as a boundary, right? Like, we may have to work with that team if there is a particular latency in a particular situation or endpoint or something like that. But we really try and think about those teams as um, third-party companies, right? In the same way that you might integrate with Stripe, and you might call Stripe, and you might care about how long it takes for Stripe to respond to you to charge a customer. But unless something was going extremely wrong, like you wouldn't necessarily raise a support ticket with Stripe because uh, their system wasn't behaving how you want it to or expected it to. You kind of work with them in a a contract-based way, right? I'm going to call Stripe. They're going to give me this response given this request. We try and treat other teams at Cloudflare like that. And I think that's a pretty good pattern and idea for scaling out um, a business so that you don't have to necessarily have tons of interactions with those teams beyond... They publish this uh, contract, and we're going to work against that to make sure that we can continue to be productive on our own path without having to wait too much for them to to do stuff for us. And we use uh, gRPC in a big way to do this. Uh, we publish the protobuf, and then we can uh, work against that, which is pretty powerful.
0: Sounds, uh, sounds very interesting, to be frank. <laughs> this,
1: uh, there, there's probably a,
0: a lot of engineering uh, at Cloudflare that... Uh, that 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 would be interesting for me to to see i i, I haven't been part of a of a big uh, software company like that to be frank and i think uh, i think this is something that is missing in my uh, in my resume so do do you have any uh, any closing thoughts uh i don't know uh, you know again i i tend to uh, to believe that the listeners uh are well, I don't really know exactly their experience level, but do, do, you know, would you have any any uh, closing thoughts? You know, some things that uh, you want them to to know. Obviously, we will have uh, some uh, some links to uh, to your new course, uh, your book as well, so uh, they they can they can obviously reach you on Twitter. But uh, you know,
1: do you have any recommendation or any closing thoughts? Um. I can't think of any top of mind i think uh, i'd love to see more folks in uh the go community on twitter it's open to everybody uh, i want it to be as friendly as possible so if you're interested in just having sort of uh, discussions about go that are as friendly as can be from beginner to expert like please join us it'll be good to see you there we have meetups every month that are completely free uh, we have one last night uh, which was a lot of fun so it's all, and it's fully remote so we'll love to see a bunch of you there um and uh, I'm looking forward to the Goal 122 release. I'm sure a lot of other um, folks listening are too. Maybe it'll even be out by the time this is published. So I've been spending some time uh, reading the release notes. There, there's some pretty cool changes in there. So I guess my uh, my leaving thought would be: make sure you, ch- you check those out and, and get ahead of it because there's some uh, there's some nice changes in there that are going to make. Uh, well, hopefully, make your program faster and potentially going to lead to less but less bugs in your code. So maybe you'll you'll need less of the debugger thanks to some of the changes, especially the for loop change there. Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: totally. This uh, this uh, release uh, seems to be very nice. Cool, uh, Matt. So thank you very much for uh, for joining today. And uh, and again, I mean, uh, hopefully, hopefully that gave some uh, some good information to uh, to people. Again, I like you said, I don't think it's 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 a topic that is talked much in, in the Go community. And, uh, and yes, if you, if you want to, uh, to test uh, the debugging, then at least you have a good course that is coming uh, very soon and uh, you, have, uh, you have gotten some great information. So thank you very much for, uh, for this.
1: No worries, Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right. See you next week.